Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray we would know what we sing in our hearts, that uh, there's nothing we can do uh, to earn life. You give it. You've paid the debt on the cross. And we have life in you, Jesus. And you were raised. And sometimes we, sometimes we do want the resurrection without the cross. And sometimes you lead us in our own lives. And we know the empty tomb is coming, but we may, we may face the cross. We may be, may be on a cross. We may be in the empty tomb before Sunday morning. And I just pray that we would know uh, from the power of your spirit, from the power of your word, that you have, you have done it. It is finished, you said on the cross. So no matter what we've done, no matter who we think we are uh, in you, Jesus, uh, we are your child. And so I pray these people, this church family would know that and help us to proclaim it to those who don't. Thank you, Lord, for being here. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thankful to our worship team again leading us. How are we doing today? Great. Hey, I like that. Somebody shout out great. Uh, we want you, we want us, we want ourselves to be blessed uh, not, by nothing that is created, by no created thing, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn Towards the back, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Before we get into the passage, if you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back. Brother David Carroll's handing them out. But before we get into it, we are in the season of Lent. Uh, We do highlight Lent. Lent should be a focused time uh, in the messages, in the music, in the community, that uh, we acknowledge our need for God. We acknowledge our brokenness, our sin. Uh, We acknowledge the stain, I say, that can't be wiped away. We also acknowledge the cross, what Jesus has done, paid it all. So there's a focus. We're doing this series on the seven deadly sins and calling it eight blessings for seven sins, going through eight weeks, actually will carry over after Easter. And the seven deadly sins, uh, we've hit pride, we've hit, um, we have hit envy, Today, we want to focus on greed. Greed. And often we think of greed as money, you know. But greed is really this desire, and we all have it. And it's, it's lived out, it's, it's fleshed out in many ways. This desire for more, uh, that there, there should be more. We want more, more of like everything. And we, we actually, for each sin, we throw up a verse of beatitude. And we contrast it, okay? So today's, if we've got it, is Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy. If greed is is gaining more, or desiring more, always wanting more, uh, mercy is a generous spirit. Uh, Mercy is a graceful person. I've asked myself this. My wife asked me this. I'd ask you all this. You know, are we really a person of grace? Or are we, like a rule person, a law person. You know, we've got to do this. How much mercy do we give? So I actually think today, I'm not going to focus specifically on money. I am going to give three life situations, though, of wanting more. A greed for people, a greed for power, and a greed for prosperity. Three Ps, I mean, just trying to make it simple, but people, power, prosperity. 
All those things we, we desire more of. And sometimes it's like we never have enough. But first for then, I want to focus on this passage. First Timothy 6. And I'm going to read verse 6 through 19. And what I want to do, a lot of Bible passages are like this. Like we could, we could really focus in on a passage and it can be uh, like a map. You know, maps get us from one place to another. And as I've been reading this passage over and over again over the week, it really is uh, like a map with a step-by-step process of getting to, I believe it should be our desired destination. But I'll break that, that down. I want us to read the entire passage first. So, starting with verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. Okay? All right, long passage, I want to break it down step by step and really look at it like a map. Okay? Like trying to get somewhere. And the somewhere, the destination, the goal, would be the first couple verses. So if you have your pen, this this helped me a lot with this passage. Uh, I would write, I would break it down first, uh, verse 6 through 8. Underline it. You may want to write goal there. But the goal for me, and I think for many of us, is contentment. Contentment. That's, That's the destination. That's the place. Instead, it seems like we're always living our life to this other destination called comparison or discontent. And we live there. So if the goal is destination, then the first couple of verses show us the goal. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we cannot take anything out of the world. If we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Uh, show you uh, kind of... Well, kind of cheddar out. I, I don't, some of y'all, y'all know I like old movies and old classics. There was a, a classic 1938 movie with Jimmy Stewart. Anybody know who Jimmy Stewart is? Okay. You know, It's a Wonderful Life. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. But Jimmy Smith and Frank Capra, uh, Jimmy Stewart and Frank Capra, did You Can't Take It With You. 
And actually, in this old 1938 movie, which one best picture, uh, film geek that I am, but it's called You Can't Take It With You. And this verse was quoted, for we can't take anything out of the world. And it was sweet and all that and good. But sometimes we have to remind ourselves, we can't take it with us. We can't take it with us. And so the goal, the destination would be while we're here, contentment with where we are, the place, the time frame, the, the season, the life, contentment. That's the goal. And we struggle with that. Pride, we've talked about that a couple weeks ago, says we should have more. Greed says I want more. So if that's the goal, then Paul gets into the challenge. And here's the challenge. This would be verse, if you got your pen, verse 9 through 10 breaks down the challenge. Here's the hurdles. If we're on a map, if we're riding, driving, here's where it gets tough. Those who desire to be rich. Now, we always think rich of money, but I'm, I'm encouraged. You think of just more. I want more, okay? Fall into temptation. If you don't have enough, if you're discontent, if you're always looking to be rich in something, you're going to fall into temptation, into a snare. Senseless and harmless desires. Then it does focus on money. But to be rich, to be rich in people, I need more friends, I need more connections, to be rich in power, I want to have power over people, to be rich in prosperity just to live the good life. I need more, I've got to have more. The Bible is clear. Those who desire, who are discontent, start falling into temptation, falling into snares, stumbling. So we got the goal, and now here's the, the challenges. Major bumps in the road. You live in Jackson, you know, a lot of desires. Seriously. <laughs> now then, the action. And, and I love this because if you, if you really get into the passage, I mean, look at verse 11 through 12. This is the action, kind of an action plan. Goal, challenge, action plan. There's so many, and I think I'm right on this. I was an English major, but action verbs here. Look at this. Flee. That's an act. Pursue. Fight. Look, contentment is a fight. You got to fight for contentment. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Now, let me be very clear on this. You know, salvation, being saved. It's, it's nothing we do, but here... I mean, Paul is directly, and, and I love 1 Timothy because he's writing to a person who was uh, to be or was at that time a pastor. So it's very, very personal. And he's saying that there are actions, there are disciplines, and sometimes these have to happen in our mind. Like we have to be intentional. I always say this, do we listen to ourselves or do we preach to ourselves? Because if we listen to ourselves and we are all based in sin, then we're going to be hearing things that, will pull us away. If we preach to ourselves, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Fight the good fight for faith. Pursue these things. God in his faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. There is an action plan. But you can't act, you know, not meaning to rhyme, you can't act without the facts in Christian life. Like, the facts come first. And this is, the most, I believe, the most important part of this passage we broke down goal, challenge, action, acts. Verse 13 through 16 are the facts. And there is no act without 
resting in the, the fact. Jesus says it is finished. Something we haven't done. He's done. He's done it. It's accomplished. It's historical. Jesus died in history. It was one action that does not need to happen again, accomplished for all time. We just trust in him. So what is it? My opinion, these couple verses, most important. If you hear nothing else, hear these verses. Don't hear me. Hear the Bible. I'm just, I'm a created person. This is from the creator. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. He gives life to all things. God. Then look. And of Christ Jesus. And I love this. Who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate. I mean, Pontius Pilate, you know, he, he, he's not the dude that like bears a lot of reference for things that he did. Why, why does he throw Pontius Pilate in there? Because, again, it's a historical fact. Pontius Pilate was a man in history, just as Jesus, but he's saying, this happened. This happened. This is, these are the facts. He made the good confession, Jesus did, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a fact that's going to be in the future, not yet. He's saying this is what happened. God creates all things. Jesus, before Pilate, died for us, and he's coming again, which he will display at the proper time. And look at this. He who is the blessed and only sovereign. If you don't know what sovereign means, it means over everything. He's sovereign over the universe. That's where I tie in, and I love that quote. God's probably doing, let's say God is doing 100 things in your life, and we recognize like three of them. That's sovereignty. And we have agreed to see it. I want to see it. I want to see, give me 99, give me 98. You know, I want to see them all. He's sovereign. He's, he's in control. He's king, king of kings, lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. That would mean light we can't approach. If we could imagine that. Whom no one has ever seen or hear. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. These verses, you know, say fact. I also would say these, this is the gas. You know, if, if this is a map, the whole passage, and we're going to destination, this is, this is the fuel. This is the gas. And you got to have, if, if you don't have that, and, and often I think as Christians, we, we're trying to get somewhere with no gas, no fuel. This is what, we have to internalize in our, in our minds, in our souls, wherever you are in life. And, and I know some of you are struggling. I know some of you are at places of great contentment. But, you know, there are good times and bad times to be content wherever we are. Now, last couple of verses, if you broke it down, goal, challenge, the action, the fact, or the gas. If you know that, there's a response. There's a result. And these last couple of verses are the result, the response. As for the rich in this present age, and look, we're all rich. We're all blessed. All of us here. Talked about this last week. We have breath. We have life. We have people. We have places. We have passions. We have gifts. We're all blessed. We're all rich. Not to be haughty or set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And I love that. He's going back to enjoy life. It's a gift. The creator, he created this to give joy to us and give joy to him. Be generous and ready to share a spirit of mercy, storing up treasure for themselves. 
as a good foundation so they may take hold of that which is truly life. I like this passage a lot. I think it's very practical. And I think you can break it down. Because the end of it goes back to where it began, to contentment. That we've been blessed, but we've got to see how we're blessed. We've got to be content. And when we are, we will be agents of mercy. We'll be generous. And say, man, God gives. And God's given. I can't even see it. And I'm here to help. And I'll give mercy to you. And sometimes you've got to give mercy to yourself. Okay, so if that's the Bible, I want to I give three life situations, okay? Pretty short, simple, and sweet. Three life situations of greed. A greed for people, a greed for power, and a greed for prosperity. We all do these three, okay? We all do them. And I want to take the life situation and put it here in the passage and let the, let the Holy Spirit, by the word, uh, really hopefully, prayerfully, burn a flame in us to see how we're greedy, how we're discontent, and move us. Maybe it's just a step today, and a step is progress to a place of contentment. First, a greed for people. So imagine, many of y'all, this, this happened probably this weekend, might happen tonight, later this week. You're at dinner, okay? Anybody like to go out to dinner? Who likes to eat? I like to eat. Thank you, Tracy. Not yet. I like, to, I like to eat. I like to eat, too. So, so you're at dinner with someone important. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a spouse. Uh, married, I do encourage date night, okay? And, man, you're just unsettled. You just can't, you're not present. You're not focused, you're not there. Where are you? You're here. You're in here. This little device, that is wonderful, that's spectacular. This is where you are, and we have this greed for people, for connection, for likes, Facebook, for followers, Twitter. It's a greed. Technology, as good as it is, has brought about the new greed. And we're moving to a place, a destination called comparison and discontent. And so you're at dinner and this happens, look, all the time with me. And it's not that I'm on Facebook. I'm actually on, truth be told, the MLB app. Anybody know what MLB stands for? Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. I got 162 games that I got live every pitch. So it's not now, but in two weeks. No, next, a week. Yeah, praise God. A week, MLB app ramps up. This is countless times. I mean, my wife could tell, she has the flu, we pray for her, she's out today. It's not bad if you shook my hand, you know, you don't, <laughs> I mean, do what you need to do, but if, I think she's good. Anyways, but she'll say, yeah, we'll be at dinner, and like, man, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping up with the game. And, and then this time of year, um, I've got the ESPN uh, app, which is uh, really good, um, and the Tournament Challenge app, tournament, you know, so... I, and I want to win, and I'm in two brag, but I'm not going to win. I'm going to lose. He's got busted. But I love seeing that. So all I have to say is there's this new greed, and you're like, well, how's baseball and, you know, basketball or whatever? I mean, that's not people. Well, I'm not present. I'm not present with her. And so often, I mean, and I know some of you, because I don't, I don't get on a lot, but when I'm on social media, I mean, I, I, I see, see the likes. 
you know, see the not likes. And uh, I mean, Facebook is a very good judge of kind of where people are in life. But we, we go there, and there's this, you know, I got to check. And even if it's not Facebook, texting. You know, let me be honest here. I didn't think I was going to say this, but somebody, a, a, a very, a well-known banker here, and he's well-known because he's, he's older and he's, he's friends with dad. My dad's a banker. But he told me one time a couple years ago, he's like, you know, I think we're really diminishing the human language with technology. He's like, technology is great, but he gave me some good advice. And he said, you know, in communication, face-to-face first, phone call second, email third, texting Fourth, and, and so many of us turn that upside down. I'll get these long texts, like pouring out their heart, and I'm like, you know, just that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad, but I mean, I guess they feel more comfortable. And we have this, you know, and then people are texting. You know, I got, I got a text back. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've done that. You know, I got a text. I've got a uh, PPV. I've talked about this a lot. You know, PPV, phantom phone vibration. Okay. Oh. I mean, it doesn't actually vibrate. You're like, oh, did it come? You know, you know oh, and it's just nothing. But, you know, we, we want it to vibrate. We want that call. We want that text. It's greed. And so if you put this in here, we're not going to go through the whole passage, but I think it is a desire to be rich in people, connections, likes, loves, followers. It's a greed. So you're like, what do we do? Well, I would say that greed does allow people to fall into temptation, snares, harmful desires, pangs. Because you're journeying, we're journeying to a place, I can't say this enough, called comparison and discontent. So what do you do? Well, I think if you tie it to mercy, first give some mercy to yourself. You're loved by God. Jesus died for you. You can rest. He says, all you who are weary, weary for connection, weary to be, in, weary to get that you know, number of likes or whatever. Give yourself some mercy. Cut yourself some slack, like rest. Uh, I'm taking a Sabbath, uh, sabbatical this summer, but I'm taking a full Sabbath from, from this bad boy. So, a screen Sabbath. Uh, and uh, I don't know how it'll go, <laughs> but I'm going to find out. All right, that's agreed for people. Something else we all fall into, agreed for power. Now, I say power, and it could be like, oh, yeah, you know, you want power and authority. No. Very subtle ways of power. We want to be over people. Here's what I mean. All of us in life have been hurt or wounded by somebody else. Somebody else. Um, I'd love to say it it only has happened to you once. That's probably not the case. And and I've seen this in, in life and in relationships. To be people of mercy and to be content. If you got the gas... If you got the fuel, and I've seen this happen. Someone's wounded, and the person who is the wounding party repents. And it's almost like it's not enough. And for us, too, if, like if I've been wounded, bear with me on this. Someone wounds me. They repent. For me, it's like, man. Sometimes, don't you feel like, man, I don't want to hear repentance. I want them ruined. I mean, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and there's some deep relational hurts. I mean, ex-spouse hurts. Your business, I mean, we don't want, 
We don't repent us. We want, we want to be validated. Where does that come from? I want to ask you all that. I mean, I, I have this. Don't, you got to have I want to be validated. Saying I'm sorry and owning it up, that's not enough. I want to, I want to be valid. I want to be right. That's a greed for power. You want more. We want more than what the Bible calls for. And the Bible calls to be agents of mercy. So someone repents and we give mercy. Let it go. And if someone does not repent, we can still give mercy. We can let it go. I mean, caring or harboring offense, bitterness, these, you know, it's sometimes, sometimes repentance does happen, which is a blessing and I believe spirit-filled and there is reconciliation. Sometimes it may not in this life. I mean, God is sovereign. He's king of kings, lord of lords. Everybody's going to have their come up, come to Jesus moment. But I think we have this greed for power. We want to be validated. We want to be. And so my, I think you put this in scripture. You're like, well, what do I do? And go back to the fuel. He saved us. He's lord. He's sovereign. He's in control. If you really have that, like core, <laughs> core value, then changes your actions, your content. Last one, uh, greed for prosperity. So that would be the one I would say, you know, most tied to wealth. And anybody heard of the prosperity gospel? That's cliche. Raise your hand if you have. A few. Okay, prosperity gospel. You got an oh yeah, okay. Prosperity gospel basically is tied to health and wealth. Uh, it is no gospel, uh, but it's saying, I mean, and there are explicit uh, communicators and explicit uh, ministries that would say, you know, tie Christianity to good health, long life, and to wealth and, and more. Uh, I don't believe it. This church doesn't believe it. We don't articulate it or advocate it. However, the prosperity gospel is something we all buy into in very... Subtle ways. Like what, what do you mean by that? Because we really believe, and this is not, I don't think this is church's fault. I'm not, like any church or preacher or ministry, I think kind of our, the world we live in, we want to go win to win. Who likes to win? I like to win. I don't like to lose. We want to go victory to victory. Uh, we want to go what I call peak to peak. Uh, several years ago, my wife and I were not married weren't actually engaged. It would have been a great place to propose, but uh, just didn't, didn't see the light at that point. But we were hiking in uh, Acadia National Park up in Maine. Uh, taking, you can drive up there from where we were, and we left early. And so we were hiking. It was about September. So up there, the leaves, you know, beautiful. And we hiked to a mountain. I was like, man. So like looking up the corner, like, man, there's another peak. You can just go peak to peak. Well, the problem was, I thought it was fog, but we saw it was like a cloud. And so when the cloud moved, you had to go down into the valley and up higher to another peak. And I've always remembered that because that's so much of like how at least I want my life to be. I just want to go peak to peak. I got one peak, let's go to a higher peak, and, and that's just not how life is, right? Amen? Amen? I mean, if it is for you, I'd love to hang out. You probably, you know... <laughs> But never known it that way. So there are valleys. And so, yes, we will have peaks. Yes, we will have victories, uh, both in, in our 
Well, I think if you're a Christian, just in, in your life as a Christian. And that can be like explicitly what we think of as Christian things, but it can also be the joys of life. I think God gives life of all things. Relationships, family, friends, you know, great news, children. And then there are valleys. And there are valleys. I think we can be guilty of Christians. And come into a church or just think how we're living life. We can just... Like, man, it's supposed to be peak to peak. Instead, I really, and, and I think that sometimes, let me use this word, disempowers the Holy Spirit from his work in our life. Now, he's all powerful, but like we, we just, man, it should be peak to peak. And man, if I'm low, you know, like, man, we get angry at God. Um, situation in our life uh, happened and led to someone else sharing with us. Said It was a she, and she's a, a, a wonderful member leader here said, yeah, I mean, they're, they're seasoned, man. I just, my prayer is like angry at God. Like, God, if I speak to you, I'm just going to curse you. I mean, it's just dark. I think the Christian life is more, there's a quote in the men's group that meets here, give it a plug, uh, Tuesday morning, uh, read a book of this title by a guy named Eugene Peterson, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Uh, I really think that is more apt for our life as Christians, a long obedience in the same direction. There will definitely be peaks. There will be valleys too. Like, man, I, don't, I haven't discovered the peaks yet. If that's your response, then let's go back to the gas and the fuel. There has been the greatest peak that any of us could ever fathom, that God, our creator, became our savior. So we have to remind ourselves to realize that. To be content, I want to put up a quote. I think I got it. Do we have the quote from, yes, G.K. Chesterton? He said, true contentment is a thing as active as agriculture. It is the power of getting out of any situation, all that there is in it. It is arduous and it is rare. I like that quote because we've got a lot of people who work land. And, man, just every situation, every season, you know, I'm getting all I can out of this. Peak. Valley, it's contentment. God's given, God's going to continue to give, God's going to provide, he's working on me, he's leading me. And then last verse up there, Philippians 4, 12, and 13. We love 13. Uh, I mean, it's a classic, man. It's, I mean, my grandmother loved it, it's on her tombstone. I loved it, it was my favorite verse for years. I mean, it's still top 10. But verse 12, context, Paul said, I know how to be brought low. This is Paul in the scripture. And I know how to abound. Sometimes God brings us low. Sometimes he abounds. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty. I think about that. The secret of facing, like you're given a lot. There's a secret to facing that. And hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things. Here it is. Through Christ who strengthens me. What do we do? Closing, here it is. What do we do? You know, you gotta have, we gotta, we all need points and stuff. But I would, to crystallize it, created things are not our creator. If we get that, that's like a huge step. Created things are not our creator. We worship, we idolize created things. Human being, created things, not our creator. Our creator is also our savior. If you get that, I mean, God saved you, God loves you. He created you 
and gifted you with a purpose, with a plan, with a calling. He saved you. And then our Savior gives us all we will ever need. Remind ourselves, remind myself those things. Created not the Creator. Creator is the Savior. Savior gives us all we ever need. Now, I can be good on that, and then I go out in the world with other folks who are not good with that, and it's tough. So we've got to go back to reminding ourselves in Scripture. When I say quiet time, when I say community, when I say positive, uh, godly, uh, stewarding relationships are so important because we can all fall into those snares. We're going to have communion. I want to I pray over us. But before this, you know, we do communion every week. It's no rote act. This is an invitation for salvation. Uh, I pray for salvation um, all through the week. And, but I, I want it to stick. I want it to be real. And true salvation is contentment. Is, is, you get it. And so the communion is, it's, I believe, God's ultimate way, because he said it, of seeing what was done on the cross for you. And so you receive that. So it is also this opportunity for salvation every week. It's no rote thing. And I want to emphasize, I pray for brothers and sisters to be saved truly, truly, and to know the true contentment. And it only comes in Jesus Christ. He's done it. He gives rest. He gives life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for brothers and sisters. I pray people are saved, and I pray they're truly saved, and saved by the the knowledge and faith of your action for us on the cross. And we can rest that we don't have to prove ourselves to anyone, whether it's in conversation or on social media. And we can just, we can live in abundance and joy that you give us all things. I, I pray, brothers and sisters, would realize this now, as we come forward to take communion, I pray salvation would occur. But not just here, your Holy Spirit's at work, you're doing hundreds of things, not just a hundred, through the week. And your word would work by the Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.